Well, shalom, shalom. I saw your encampment from where my family is settled in for the night up on the rise, and I thought I would bring you a cup of tea. I see I have seriously underestimated the number of people at your fire. Welcome. I see by your garments that you are not from this area. Well, welcome, travelers. I wonder, since you are travelers, if you have brought any news of the uprisings and upheaval in Jerusalem. You have heard, I trust, that Herod has finally lost his throne by losing his very life. And that is anything but bad news, I assure you. But the reports that have come in about his replacement have left us wondering if it was worse or better. Mm. Well, I am glad to see you. You look like people who might be interested in a table. I have a table for sale. It's a very fine table. It's been imported from Egypt. How do I know it's been imported? Because it's my back that's been importing it from Egypt. It's from my workshop there. It's a beautiful table. It's made of exquisite olive wood. It's been rubbed 18 times with fine oils. I am a woodworker. I know quality when I see it. If it's of interest to you, please let me know. It would add beauty to your home for generations. I would love for you to see it. Oh, me. I'm, I'm sorry I failed to introduce myself. My name is Joseph. Joseph of Nazareth. Or Joseph of Bethlehem, if you wish. Or Joseph of Alexandria, most recently. Really, it depends on when you ask and how much of my story you're willing to hear. It's a very unusual story. It has some twists and turns, and it takes a while in the telling. But if you are uh, rich in time, I would love to share it with you. Yes? All right. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, excuse me. I've My back... This traveling is very wearing on a body, I'll guarantee you that. If a, if a camel is a ship of the desert, my backside attests to the fact that there are high seas every day. It's nothing that for a young man that uh, wants to experience. Well, uh, I, I see a few hints here that you might be people who follow the God of Abraham, correct? Yes. It's wonderful to see other followers, other people who believe in the one true God. My family does as well. As I share my story, I would ask one thing of you, one favor. If you would be so kind as to suspend a little of your belief for the moment, you may find it necessary. For there are parts of our story that are quite unusual. But being believers in God may make it easier for you to accept some of the things that you will hear in my tale You remember a while back, do you not, uh, when Caesar Augustus commanded that there would be a census of the people? Yes, I knew that you would. How could we forget? It turned our days into weeks and the months into miles. I myself brought my family from Nazareth all the way down to Bethlehem, for it was our ancestral home, the city of David. I love being there every opportunity I get. But for the most part, I have been raised and lived my life in Nazareth. That's where my family's home is. That's where my workshop is. Have I mentioned that I'm a carpenter? I'm a carpenter of some renown. I have a table for sale that is just fabulous. And I think it would add to the hospitality of your home sevenfold were you to want to buy it. Please, please let me know. Well, the journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem was not an easy one, and it was made no less difficult by the fact that my wife was very much with child. And when we got 
to the town of Bethlehem, it was overrun with people due to the census. I don't know if you can imagine what it's like to live in what seems to be a small city and suddenly find yourself surrounded by such a population of people that you can barely get from one end of the town to the other because the streets are always clogged with people. I see from the look on your eyes, some of you seem to have experienced this in your past as well. Interesting. Well, I had family in the area, so that was very welcome, and we were able to stay with them. But when the pains of childbirth came upon Mary, it was so crowded even in that house that we had to move to the fore part of the house where the stable was. And I know some people think that may be a little crude, but I assure you that in a well-kept house, a stable is very clean. And when you have filled it with new, sweet-smelling hay... Uh, Between that and the coolness of the evening and the warmth of the animals, it proved to be a very welcome place for some privacy in which to give birth to a child. The one thing I will admit as a woodworker, and it is to my shame, of all the things that I brought from Nazareth to Bethlehem, the one thing that I forgot was the cradle that I had made for our child. Indeed, it was the work of a stonemason, a stonemason of all people, that provided the first bed for our child. Can you guess what it was there in the stable? Yes, it was a manger. It was a manger. But what can you do? As they say, there's nothing more stable in a stable than a manger. It was such a crazy night. By the time we, we had the baby and we're settling in, we'd hardly had a chance to spend any time with our new son when there was a commotion at the front gate. And, and do you know what smells worse than the animals in a stable? A group of shepherds. It's true. Don't pretend like you don't believe it as well. A group of shepherds. And they burst into the stable because they wanted to see the baby who was lying in a manger. Now, this is the part that leads me to ask you to suspend belief just a little bit. Because when I tell you who told the shepherds, to come and find the baby in the manger. It will stretch your imagination, perhaps to the breaking point. Well, yes, it, it, was, it was a company of angels sent from Yahweh. How do you know this? Have you heard our story? Yes, I am that Joseph. That is me. My wife is Mary. Mary from the story. What you have heard is true. I guarantee it. You would not believe it, perhaps, until you look into the faces of those shepherds and you could tell that they had seen something so terrifying, yet at the same time that filled them with so much hope that they immediately left their flocks in the hills that night and came into the town to find us and to see the baby Jesus. Ah, I'm sorry. It it fills me with emotion. I've been a stranger in a strange land for some time now in a place where Yahweh is not recognized as the one true God. And to find people who understand who God is, well, it's amazing to me. You can look at me and tell, I am, I am nothing special. I am a craftsman. I am a tradesman. I work with my hands, with wood. My hands are rough and calloused. That's me. I'm nobody. But I cannot deny the fact that one of God's angels appeared to me and spoke to me and said that the child that Mary was carrying was from the Holy Spirit. 
and that when, when he was born, we were to name him Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. And an angel appeared to Mary as well and said that Jesus was the son of the Most High, that he would sit upon the throne of David and that his kingdom would never end. Oh, it's all true. Our son is cute. I'll give you that. He's, he's a darling boy. If you'd like to come up and meet him, we're just up there on the rise. It'll take no time at all. He's our little helper. He's a wonderful, wonderful child. But it gives me pause to think that our son is all of those things. Pardon me, I get a little distracted and I promised you a story. Well, Mary and I stayed there in Bethlehem for a while with our family visiting. And as we did so, we took care of some responsibilities. We needed to take Jesus to the temple and present him there. We also needed to be in one place for a time, for Mary's time of purification after the birth of a child, which, as you know, is, is 40 days. So we were in Bethlehem for a little while, but eventually we went back to Nazareth to our home there. It seemed just a matter of a few months before there was a commotion outside of our house. And I went to the front and opened the gate and saw the most amazing collection of people that I had ever witnessed. It was a caravan of travelers. And in that group, there were Persians and Babylonians and Medes, and there were people of races that I could not have identified. Their camels were garbed in rich trappings. They had donkey after donkey loaded down with burdens. It was an amazing thing to see. And I, and I thought, you have the wrong house. But they assured me that they didn't, that they had been following a star. I said, well, good luck with that. There are a lot of them up there. They said, no, no, no. This star is one that our scholars have found as being a new star in the sky. And it's bright enough to be seen even during the day. And we have followed that star westward, and it has led us to your home. Well, I was rather astounded, and I've seen some things. I was wondering if I should invite them in, not knowing where I would put them if they came in. When they burst past me and they started carrying armload after armload after armload of goods and laying them anywhere there was space in our house, I wasn't sure what to do with that. I, I tried to be uh, hospitable, but they took me by surprise. And I, as I turned around, it was unbelievable. These men were on their knees in front of Jesus' cradle and they were worshiping him. These men of power and wealth and learning were face down in front of Jesus, praising God. Well, it was the first time since the shepherds that anyone recognized our son for who the angels said that he was. It was amazing. And, and the things that followed are hard to describe. I, I did offer them food, not knowing where the food would come from, and they just laughed at me. They said, we have this taken care of. And they shouted a few orders, and their servants rose up and unpacked the biggest traveling kitchen that you've ever seen, right in the street in front of our house. And they began cooking things that I had never seen before, never smelled before. But it was amazing, the aromas. I saw more than one of my neighbors whose curiosity overcame their caution. 
and they were out right next to men who were cooking food and they were getting free samples of dishes that had never been served in our neighborhood before or since. It was incredible. Oh, what an event. And besides the smells of those spices, there were the smells in our house so rich because the gifts that they had brought in included frankincense and myrrh from the far east. And you know the value of that is beyond compare. They had trade goods that they had brought and laid there. And if that weren't enough, they took boxes of gold and poured them out on the ground at the foot of the cradle. It was amazing. I didn't know what to do with it all. But evening was starting to fall, and as I watched, they tore down the kitchen. They reloaded things onto their donkeys and onto their camels, and they prepared to leave. I said, won't you stay with us? Hoping secretly they wouldn't say yes. I don't know what to do with them all. But they said no. They had done what they were led to do. And they were done being there. So they they got on their animals and rode straight out of town, being chased by uh, a crowd of the children from the neighborhood, all squealing and laughing. Well, Mary and I came to a decision. The decision was that we were exhausted. This was a crazy, crazy night that we had never experienced the likes of. And it it drained us. And in no time we were asleep. But almost at once, I experienced a dream that was so disturbing. It was one of those dreams that makes you get up from the bed and check the house to make sure that everything's in order and that the doors and windows are secured. For in this dream, I saw the images of swords and blood, and Jesus, our little boy. And over it all was the insane face of Herod, Herod the Great? No, Herod the disgusting, Herod the insane. You have heard the reports on how crazed he was. Herod was the man who killed his own wife because he thought that she might be interested in his throne. He killed his own children to prevent them vying for his power. He would kill anyone and anything that got in the way and made him feel threatened that he might lose his position. And if all of that weren't enough to prove to you that he was insane, I will remind you of this. The last 40 days of his life were spent walled up in the city of Jericho, stark raving mad until he dropped dead. He was much more a murderer than he was a ruler. Well, the dream told me that Herod was coming for Jesus and that we had to leave and we had to leave now. I woke in a chilled panic because there was pounding on our door. And when I went to see who it was, it was a servant from the travelers who had been sent back to tell us that they had received a dream from God that told them not to return home the same way that they had come. You see, as they traveled following the star looking for us, it seems they stopped in Jerusalem and went to pay regards to Herod. And it shows that even... The wise can sometimes make terrible mistakes. For they asked Herod, where is born the new king of the Jews? And that was enough to convince Herod that someone was after his power. Someone was there to take his throne away from him. Well, we had received enough promptings from God. 
Mary and I, to recognize that Yahweh's hand was in this dream, in this vision, in this message from the travelers. So immediately we got up and we started grabbing anything that couldn't easily be replaced and packing it. We looked about and there was so much there from the Magi and it was of such great value, we had to take it. Fortunately, I have a very, very good wagon and I know you'll think it's my hand that did it as a woodworker. But let me tell you, when we stayed in Bethlehem during, during the time of the birth, a family in the neighborhood where we stayed befriended us. In fact, it was the same stonemason that I mentioned earlier. The one that had carved out the manger that was being used as, as Jesus' very first bed. Jeconiah was his name. What an incredible man. He had a heart as big as the world, and he was a true man of God, willing to follow God wherever He was amazing. He was also one of the funniest men that I've ever seen. He could tell camel jokes for an hour straight and never repeat one of them. Twice I've seen him tell stories so funny that grown men have blown wine through their nostrils. That is the type of friend that you want to have close to you. He and I worked on several projects together during the time that we stayed in Bethlehem, and it really helped us have the money that we needed to stay there as long as we did. But what was even better was that he and his wife, Tilpah, would bring their little boy, Elias, over to the house. And they helped us with the baby, Jesus, so much. Who knew that it took so much work to care for a small child that you could hold in just two hands? But they were an amazing help and blessing from God to us. We had come to Bethlehem from Nazareth with relatively few things. But Jeconiah decided that when we left, we would leave in style. So together, we we designed and built a wagon that was sturdy enough to haul a temple stone without swaying from one side to the other. And we did it all in just two days' time. And even even more, the, the wood we used was wood that he already owned, and he wouldn't let me pay for a bit of it. He said, it's not your wagon. It's Jesus's wagon. It's not yours. You don't have any say in the matter. It was hard to argue with that. They would come over many evenings and we would eat supper together and we would sit and talk the hours away into the evening. We would watch the the women make over the babies and it was just, it was something so magical. When those babies would get together, they would both begin smiling and cooing and making noises. It was a delight to watch. He and I would joke that one day these boys would be playing David and Goliath. But I knew who David would be. I also know who Goliath would be because Elias, although he was young, still had the feet of a camel on him and the appetite of an ox. We, we said that they would be so close that they would never be separated. They would be like Jonathan and David running through the fields with their bows and arrows. Nothing could take them apart. I hope that you can believe me when I tell you that if I had known what was going to happen, it would have been different. If I, if I had known, I would have taken them with us. We had, we had a wagon. It was big enough. But I didn't know. And so I didn't. Elias was 
he was so small. And then when Herod came with his stinking pig troops and their swords, and they started killing and killing and killing until the streets ran red with blood and the air was filled with the cries of mothers and fathers who had lost their little ones. Elias was six months older than Jesus. I've not seen Jeconiah or Tilpah since that happened. And to be honest, I don't think that I can. I'm sorry. I suppose I'm not done grieving for some of the pain that has followed us in our journeys. But I promised you a story. A story you will have. It took us seven days of hard travel before we were out of Herod's reach and safely into the borders of Egypt. It was quite a while after that before we settled into the city of Alexandria. You might not be aware of it, but Alexandria is a marvelous place. It is beautiful. And besides that, there was the added blessing that within Alexandria, there were many, many influential Jewish leaders as part of that community. We didn't have any problem finding a house to stay at. The gifts that the Magi had given us converted into cash quite readily and into trade goods, and it was far more than we needed to establish a new home and to find a new place to live. And beyond that, it was a nice place for a Jewish carpenter. You're familiar with Egyptian architecture? You can't throw a rock without hitting another rock. And I'll say this, I'm not bragging, but when I tell you that my woodworking skills flourished there, I am not exaggerating. It was wonderful. It was more than enough to support our family and to establish a strong trade there. And we also had the benefit of a strong Hebrew community in which to be raising our son. It was a wonderful place to be, and it was a safe place to be. But ultimately, it never really felt like home. It wasn't home to us. So it was not unwelcome then when I experienced another dream. I'll tell you this. Some evenings, I'm a little worried about closing my eyes for fear of what I'll be told to do or where I'll be sent. But in this one, the message was so good. For I was told that King Herod was dead, that the people who had sought to harm my family were gone, and that the way home was finally clear. Ah, I was so excited. I woke up Mary immediately. She was thrilled. She was mostly thrilled. It seems that she had finally finished decorating the house to, in her words, exactly the way it was supposed to be. But really, we were all thrilled about the prospect of going back into Israel. It's where the Messiah needed to be, with his people. The first thing I thought was, we can go to Bethlehem. We can be that we can establish a home in the city of David. How wonderful. He's going to be on David's throne. Why not be there? But the reports started coming in. Herod had been replaced by his son Archelaus. And you know how they say the taste of the olive is the taste of the tree? If Herod was the tree, Archelaus was the olive. And it was bitter. 
You recall the uprising during the Passover in which Archelaus killed 3,000 Jews simply to prove he had the power to do so and that no one would fight against his will and his word? He was a beast. He was disgusting. His throne still stank of Herod and his evil deeds. And I thought, that's six miles from Bethlehem. We can't take Jesus there. That left Nazareth. We could return to our former home. But I will be honest with you, Nazareth is not Bethlehem. Not at all. Nazareth is 90 miles away from the temple. It's 90 miles away from Jerusalem. Nazareth is not a place of scrolls and scripture and good teaching, the things that the Messiah would need. Nazareth was a backwater place. The people there were as mixed as they were in Alexandria. And you know what they say about Nazareth. Can any good thing come from Nazareth? The answer always seems to be no. No king ever came out of Nazareth, that's for sure. If a king tried to come out of Nazareth, he would be ignored or ridiculed. He would be despised and rejected. I'm sorry, saying it like that makes words come to mind from the prophet Isaiah. I don't know that they apply to Jesus. There is much in Scripture that does apply to our son. I don't know if that one does. I hope not, but maybe. Well, we're praying, we're talking to God every day and asking him where he wants us to go next. I'm not sure where it will be, but perhaps we need to keep Nazareth as an option. I would hate to think that our son for the rest of his life becomes known as Jesus of Nazareth. Well, I'm sorry I've taken so much of your time. My wife would not be surprised. It was a long story, I know, but there's so much in it and so much more even that I left out for the sake of brevity. Before I go, I want to tell you, I have a table for sale. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful design. It's my own. I think it's rather ingenious. The table folds so it's easy to transport. Also this, if you adjust a few boards here and there just so, you can seat almost twice as many as your table. It's a fantastic thing. I hope that you'll consider it. It's right up the hill and I'll, I'll be glad to show it to you. I hope that I have not frightened you with the details of our story. I did not mean to. And, and don't worry. I must say that My family has been so blessed since Jesus has come to us. It's it's hard to describe how your heart feels when you're nearby. I call him my son. I can't help it. He feels like my son some days, but at the same time when I call him that, I feel like I have no right to do so, for he is so much more than anything that I could have done that I could have given him. He's God's son. He is God's son. It's rather like when a neighbor loans you his camel and says, treat him like he's your own. And you can call him your own while you have him, but you don't treat him like he's your own because you know he's really not your own. Not that I'm 
comparing God's son to a camel. It's the principle there. Although, historically, both have been known to spit up quite a bit. Word to the wise, on a long journey, put the baby on the donkey, not on the camel. It has been a hard road, this following God. From traveling to Bethlehem, from going back to Nazareth, from running to Egypt, from spending time there, from traveling back, it has been difficult. But as long as we are going where God wants us to take Jesus, I know that it is worth taking the trip. When I think about the alternative, we have lived in Egypt and we know what it is to worship false gods and idols. It is vile and detestable. We have met people who believe in no God at all and that life is hopeless and hollow and empty. But we have lived in the same house with Jesus And it is so good. And he changes so much around him. Everything around him changes. I have a table for sale. I know. I know how many times I've mentioned it. I'm not fooling myself. The table took me six months to make. It was not ordered by anyone, which is why I still have it. But it was a labor of love. Making that table, it was like something was inside of me that needed to come out through my hands. And so I made that table. Six months. It has to be right before I'm willing to put my name on it. And I knew that if I rushed it, that it wouldn't be all that it was supposed to be. And I think that following God is going to be like that as well. I believe that following God is going to be a long road and it will take time. But I also believe that if we are following God and if we are taking Jesus with us, that any journey we make is worth the steps and that any destination we find ourselves in is worth the arrival. We're going to leave in the morning, but I encourage you, come up the rise. Meet Jesus for yourself. You will be glad that you did. Before I go, I would like to pray a blessing for you. Yahweh, our God who has provided, the High Holy One, we humble ourselves to you. We thank you that you have sent your Son and we are ready to follow him wherever you call us. Your plan, Father, has been so good, and we trust with our hearts that your plan continues to be just what we should do. We praise your name above any idol, above any false god, above any emptiness. We recognize you as the Lord, the God of Israel, the God of of our hearts. And we thank you that your son will save us from our sins. Amen. To you and your journeys, I bid you peace. Shalom.